Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Well, good morning. That's the best good morning I've gotten out of y'all since last October. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. I want you to take your Bibles. And well, I'm not sure where we're going to completely open up to yet. We'll just see when we get there. Just have them, have them on the ready. How about that? Have them on the ready this morning. Hey, um, before we get started, let me make a quick announcement. And we need some help with, with something this next week and the, and, and the weeks following um, over uh, the course of uh, the school year, of course, as you know, as long as things remain the way that they are, our students are out of school on Wednesdays, and the school system provides those students with lunches and a uh, lunch and a breakfast for that Wednesday that they're not there, which means they have to take that home with them on Tuesday. And they need, Emma Ann called me earlier uh, in the week last week and said, hey, we need five or six people uh, to to come and to help uh, put some of these together. We'll be working in the high school cafeteria. So if you would like to come help, let me, what time? Be there at 12. We'll put things together, and then we will deliver those throughout the high school and drop them off at the teacher's door. So if you can help, let me know, let Adriana know this morning. We're going to be doing this, I think, for, I think there's, I mean, it's nearly every Tuesday from now until Christmas. So if you would like to just say, hey, look, I'm going to help with that. We've got a sign-up sheet in the office. Um, but the most important one is always the next one. So we need uh, as many of you that can sign up to help us uh, with this project. It's a way for us to be involved, a way for us to help our school and just a great opportunity for us to, to show our community how much we love them. So if you can be a part of that, please, please let us know so that we can get uh, that program started and make sure that our kids are fed during their, their time away from school on Wednesdays. Let's go to God in prayer, and then we're going to, to begin our, our time of study. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to just be with our church family this morning. I pray that our time together is beneficial. I pray that our time is encouraging and uplifting. And God, today as we start a series of lessons on, on such an important subject, on, on we call it baptism, God, but really it is, is it's the core of our salvation. It's the core of how we come into a saving relationship with you, God. And I know that uh, through the years that Lots of people have taught different things on this subject, and it's a subject that can be confusing. Uh, it's a subject that, uh, that you intended to be unifying, that you intended to be plain and simple. And God, help us this morning to just take off our, take off our preconceived idea blinders, whether it be from what we've learned as, as, as a member of the Church of Christ or any other uh, church through the years, God, and help us to just open our hearts to your word today and in the weeks to come. I thank you so much for the opportunity to study this series, and I hope that it blesses us in a great way. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. All right, I've got a list of jokes here. Who likes jokes? Just, just like five of you? Oh, this could bomb really bad then. No, this is, this is all men and fun. Okay, this is all men and fun. Please don't anybody get mad at me because it, it takes us right into where we need to be this morning. This is, you know your church of Christ if. Are you ready? 
You know your Church of Christ if you've never been in a sanctuary, but you've been in a lot of auditoriums. You know your Church of Christ if every get-together involves a potluck. And to that, I say amen. You know your Church of Christ if you've ever wondered what would happen if the preacher did not have a ready recollection of the things that he had prepared. Now, I don't know about you, but I have had Sundays where I have wondered what would happen if this preacher didn't have a ready recollection. You know your Church of Christ if you think tithing is wrong, but you believe every Christian should give 10%. I had a preacher growing up, and this is what he would say on this subject. He would say, nowhere in the New Testament is tithing commanded. He goes, but I truly believe that every Christian should start their giving at 10%. I'm like, those two statements just completely contradict each other. This is my personal favorite, okay? This is my personal favorite. You know your church of Christ, if during a service you have laughed, cried, dropped a book, spanked a child, gone to the bathroom, emptied your purse in a pew, chewed some gum, eaten a cookie, taken medicine, whispered to the person next to you, winked at a friend, coughed, sneezed, burped, and said amen, but you have never clapped. That was a long one to take in. You know you're a member of the Church of Christ is before you buy a Bible, you go to Acts 2.38 to make sure it's a sound translation. Anybody ever guilty of that? I have been. There's a handful of verses that I always check just to make sure. And, and the reason we go to Acts 2.38 is why? It's because that has been, that has been for, for generations after generations, that has been our verse, right? It's been that verse that we that we hold to. It has been it has been the center. It has been the core of what we believe. And, and, and I believe that is a good thing. I believe that it is a powerful verse. I believe it is a true verse. But I believe that, that through man, if you will, through man, if you will, this teaching of baptism, this teaching of baptism, this teaching of response to what we're supposed to do when we understand the gravity of the death of Jesus has... has it's just become muddy, for lack of better words. Because it's instead of becoming an issue of unity, it has become a doctrine that is taught differently in different religious groups as a way to separate themselves from each other. You teach this way of salvation, I teach this way of salvation, and this other guy down the road teaches his way of salvation. And so we have all these different we have all these different doctrines. We have all these different teachings on baptism when really and truly Jesus, or, or rather Paul says with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that there is how many baptisms? There is one. And he says that in a way to prove that this is, a, this is an issue. This is an issue that should cause unity amongst the believers of Jesus, not division. Would you say amen to that? And so what I want us to do is I want us to take some time to, to go through a group of lessons that really digs in and, and looks at what Scripture has to say on the topic of baptism. Because you may have, you may have been a member of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ your whole life, and you've heard these lessons a thousand times, but one of the dangers of hearing the same thing over and over and over again is the more you hear something, sometimes the more you just become used to it, okay? 
it, uh, a lot of times the more you hear something, the more it can lose its power and emphasis in your life. So maybe, maybe this is a way that will kind of reignite that fire for this teaching and for this topic and, and for this part of, of our mission statement uh, from Christ that we're to go out and baptize people. This is something that we're to be doing to other people, not just something that we have to make sure is done to us. Maybe you come from uh, a different religious background than, than the churches of Christ, and, and you've been taught something different. But you know that what you taught and maybe what we teach doesn't necessarily line up all the time. Maybe, hopefully, this series will, will, will help bridge some of those questions and some of those gaps. My goal, my, my, my hope in this, in this series of lessons is not to teach you the church of Christ way to go to heaven. My goal is to teach you the biblical way to become a child of God so that you can spend eternity with him. You say, well, some people will say, well, that's, that's the same thing, right? No, I don't think it is because let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you this story. How many of you believe that the gospel plan of salvation involves hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized? How many of you believe that? Okay, is there any room for is there any room amongst the, uh, those who believe that? Is there any part of that you think that we would disagree with each other on? You think Larry over here raised his hand? Is there any part of that you think Larry and I could find disagreement on? Well, you may think that's a simple process, right? Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. There's, there, there's, there's nothing to disagree on in that. Well, maybe the only person I've ever run into, maybe not after this lesson, but I've had a big disagreement with, with, with a great brother on that very question. I was, I was going through... Uh, the invitation one Sunday, and I was talking through the, the, the plan of salvation. I get to uh, I get to the idea of confession, and and I talk about how confession is not just a one time thing. That your baptism is a is a great confession of of your of your belief in Jesus, and it is important for us to 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 show that to everybody. But confession is not just a one-time thing. Confession is something that we have to do every day in our life. We have to confess Jesus to other people. And, and I just, I just kind of keep rolling. You know, I was in one of those rolls. I was just rolling through it. And this guy grabs me afterwards and he goes, Preacher, I disagree with you. One of my favorite times, and I mean that real sarcastically, is when someone disagrees with me right at the end of church service. Because that's the worst time to have a disagreement conversation because I'm exhausted. You've sat in a pew for 20 minutes listening to me and the best time for me to have those conversations is the next, the next day or, or later in the day. But I mean, he was ready to go right there. I go, all right, brother. I said, what's, what's, what, what? He goes, he goes, confession. He said, you're not supposed to confess Jesus every day of your life. And I thought, this is not going to be a conversation that I'm going to enjoy. You know, this, he goes, confession is just about Confession, Jesus, right then before you're baptized. And I said, brother, I said, I said, I would agree with, with part of that. I said, but not all of it. I said, I, I believe that confession is more than just one moment. Confession is a lifestyle that starts in that moment 
of, of your baptism, but, it, but it, it has to keep going. You have to live a life of confession. And so here is, a, here is an issue in which if you've been raised in this church, you think, hey, this is cut and dry, right? This is cut and dry. It's easy to understand that even in those, those things that we've all been taught our whole life and think, hey, there's no reason that we should disagree on this, there is the possibility of us not seeing the same not seeing eye to eye on something. And I tell that real long story. It took longer than I wanted it to, to tell you this. I don't want to share with you my opinion. I don't want you to share with me your opinion on this subject. I want us to simply open God's Word and study it for what God has to say. And in that, I believe that we can answer a lot of questions. I believe that we can save a lot of souls. As far as that thought goes, I want to challenge you that, that if you're not a child of God, if you're not a child of God, I want to challenge you, number one, to be here for all of these lessons. And two, I want you to spend, because I'm going to for you, I want you to spend the next three or four weeks in, in devoted prayer that through these lessons that the Holy Spirit might convict you to put Christ on in baptism to have your sins washed away, and to have a relationship, a salvation relationship with Jesus. That sometime, I hope it's today, but if it's not today, I want you to just make a, a, a mark in your heart and say, "We're I, I, this is something I'm going to be really serious about and studying over the next four weeks because I want you to become a child of God. Okay, let me, let's, let's, let's get going into what we're actually talking about today. All right, this thing's dead. Let's go to the next slide. All right. How many of you have noticed, though, over the last, uh, maybe over the last five or six years, maybe the last 10 years, that uh, there has been maybe a lack of New Testament teaching on baptisms in the church? Have any of y'all ever, ever felt that way? Have any of you maybe, let me ask it this way, how many of you were raised in a church that you had a sermon once a month on baptism, whether the congregation needed it or not. Anybody raised in that type of church? Okay, a few people. I have my granddaddy. I love my granddaddy. He is my preaching idol. But he told me when he was younger and preaching that, that was, those were his exact words. He goes, I preached a sermon on baptism. Whether the church needed it or not, that was something I was going to preach. Now, if you look at the, the, the landscape within the church now, you will notice that just those frequent sermons on baptism are not as frequent as they used to be. So I ask the question, why the lack of teaching on such an important subject? It's an important subject, obviously, because Scripture, the New Testament in particular, mentions baptism 89 different times. 89 different times baptism is mentioned. So if it's mentioned that many times, how many of you think that it's an important subject? Absolutely. So why are we seeing less teaching on it? Well, I think the first thing is it's a reaction to an overemphasis. It's a reaction to an overemphasis. If you've got a, a room full of Christians, a room that's full of, of the majority of Christians, and you are teaching that over and over and over and over, but you're not teaching other things that, that really help. Paul, what, what does Paul say about the teaching of baptism? He said that's an elementary teaching that we should move as a Christian, as a church, we should be moving on from that, not, not because it's not important, but because we're studying deeper things. We understand it, we know what it is, and, and, and we teach it in our own personal lives to other people. But he says that shouldn't be the one thing you talk about all the time. Okay, but that has been the case in our fellowship for, for a period of our history. And I think you find preachers who, who have an attitude 
Uh, and I don't think it's necessarily think it's a bad attitude, but it's like, hey, you know what? We have taught on this for so long, and we understand it, that maybe it's time that we put some emphasis on some other things. And the danger in that is as you, as you take an emphasis off of it, the danger is that you can lose your emphasis, that it cannot become important. And that's something that we don't want to happen. Let's go to the next slide. The next thing is a concern for works of righteousness. A concern for works of righteousness. We don't want to give the impression that we think baptism is something that we do as a work to earn our salvation. Okay? That, that it's, it is something that we have to it is something we have to do to earn our salvation, but it's not something that I do to earn it, if that makes sense. You know, baptism is an interesting moment to me because, let, let, me, let, me, let me ask you this way. Is there a difference in the statement of, maybe that's, that's not going to work. See, this is what happens when I try to go off. Here, here's what I want you to understand. Baptism is always something that is done to you. Baptism is never something that you do. Think about that for a second. Baptism is not something that you do. Baptism is something that is done to you. It's, it's what I always tell someone before I baptize them. I said, look, I said, your part's over. Your part's over. The rest of it is me and God. I've got one, I've got one major responsibility um, when I baptize someone. Let's get them all the way under, and well, that's two. Don't drop them. Those are my main responsibilities. There's a big trust factor. If, if I'm going to, if a, Gary, if I'm going to baptize you, there's a great trust factor in me covering your face and then dunking you underwater, isn't it? It's not something that he does. It's something that I physically do to him. And there's a great trust factor in that. And then the spiritual side of that is who does the saving? Who does the cleansing? God does the saving. God does the cleansing. It's nothing that you do. The whole action is a true action of trust in someone that you trust to immerse you and bring you back up and in a God to forgive you and wash you clean of your sins. That baptism is not an action of anything that you do. It is an action that is done to you. But if we're not careful, we make it about what I've done. We make, we make it a work that, 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 that saves me when really it's a work of someone else saving you. So we have to be careful with that. Let's go to the next slide. I think the biggest reason that we don't teach enough on baptism anymore, there's a lack of teaching, is not wanting religious controversy. Not wanting religious controversy. Now, I'm not talking about just within the pulpit. Okay, I'm talking about in your own personal lives. How many of you... How many of you, the idea of evangelism, of personal one-on-one -on -one evangelism, how many of you that makes you nervous to think about talking about your faith to other people? It's, it's, it's okay. Well, okay, two of you raised your hand. That means the rest of you are knocking the doors down, right? It means the rest of you are just... I believe that all of us are nervous about sharing our faith. And one of the things that we become real nervous about is controversy. How many of you enjoy controversy? Good, I'm glad nobody raised their hand because that was going to be a completely different lesson that we were going to have to have. We've quit sharing the truth on this subject because we don't want people to be mad at us. We don't want people to be mad at us. We don't want people to think that we are judging them. 
when in our heart we're just trying to share what we believe is the truth, a lot of times that gets lost in translation. A lot of times when we share our faith about what we believe and what we feel the Bible says on any given subject, then a lot of times if we're not careful, we might accidentally say it in a way that that individual thinks that we, that, that we are judging them when really we're just trying to love them. So in response to that fear, what have we quit doing? We've quit sharing our faith. We've quit teaching the truth on this very important subject. Let's go to the next slide. Is that the, okay. So what does the Bible say about it? Let's get our Bibles out. I was going to put all these on the slides, but I really wanted you to just open your Bibles with me this morning and let us look. We're going to, we're going to look at some verses and then we're going to really park at 1 Peter chapter 3 and we're going to break that verse down. So let's, let's look at what uh, some, some key scriptures on this particular topic. Matthew chapter 28. This is this particular passage, for those of you that know, is known as the Great, a little bit louder, the Great Commission. Okay, and this is what he says. Jesus is, is, is saying, okay, he said, all authority is given, in, given to me on heaven and on earth. And I think that's an important thing to remember because what he could have said here is, all authority has been given to me, therefore everybody has to follow me and believe me and do what I say. Did he have the authority to do that? Yes, absolutely. If all authority had been given to him, then he could have done whatever he wanted to do. But what does he say? Instead of you have to, he says all authority has been given to me. Now you guys, he's talking to his apostles and then, and then by, by, um, by passing it down, talking to us, he says, and this is what you guys got to do. You've got to go make disciples of all nations. Okay, that's our job is to make disciples of all nations. How do we accomplish that? How do we begin to make disciples? By baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the ages. Okay, I want you to go to Mark 16. We're going to link these two together. Mark 16. Mark 16, starting in verse 15. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all the creation. Just another account. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Let's put these two verses together. These are the final words of Jesus. This is his commission to his disciples. In Matthew, he says, Look, you go make disciples, and to make disciples, you have to do what? You have to baptize them. His next set of words is go into all creation. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that does not believe will be condemned. If you're not going to believe, you're obviously not going to be baptized. Why do I want to start right there? Because these two verses make my point for me in a very powerful way. Baptism is not a church of Christ thing. It is not a Matthew thing. It is not a Ninth Avenue thing. It is a... Jesus thing. Before the apostles taught it, before Matthew taught it, before the churches of Christ ever taught it, who first taught it? Jesus. And if we're going to talk, have a talk, if we're going to have a, a real conversation about, well, I've always felt this way and I've always felt that way, then the first place we have to go to and the first thing we have to understand is before anybody else told you that you needed to be baptized or not to be baptized, what did Jesus say? 
Jesus said, this is something that is important and that you need to do to be right in a right relationship, in a salvation relationship with Him. That's not a me thing. And, and I have shared these two passages with people before, and they've looked at me and they've gone, I didn't know that that was in the Bible. But I think it's important to understand that this is a teaching that starts with Jesus. And if it's important to Jesus then it needs to be important to us. Acts 2, verse 38, the passage that was read for us just a few moments ago by David. And I, I love this. I love this story. I, I love the whole, the, I love everything that goes on in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. But David read a little bit of the beginning and the end there. But as you look at this particular passage, you know, Peter is giving all the apostles, but the, 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 the narrator kind of focuses in here on, on, um, on Peter's message, and, and they're preaching the gospel, and someone just stops them. And they say, hey, look, in the middle of a sermon, what are you doing? Okay, look, we, we've messed up. We get it. That's what he's saying. We messed up. We get it. What do we have to do to make this thing right? We've killed Jesus. We've killed the Son of God. What do we have to do to make it right? And what does he say in Acts 2 and verse 38? You, you probably know it uh, better not looking at it than looking at it, many of you. Peter rep replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, and all whom the Lord our God will call. 37, or 38 and 39, really, they're important to put together, because the first thing 38 teaches us is that forgiveness of our sins is received through what? through repentance and baptism, through turning away from those sins and being baptized. And some people are going to say, well, look, that was just for the moment. That was just for right then and right there for that particular situation. But 39 tells us what? That this promise, this forgiveness and this gift of the Holy Spirit, this promise is not just for this one generation. It's for you and it is for your children and for those who are far off and all of those whom the Lord our God will call. And you know, you and I fit right into verse 39. Let's keep going. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. And like I said, we're, we're, we're hitting some high points here, and then we're going to stop and, and, and park in First Peter for just a few moments. Romans chapter 6. Verses 3 and 4 might help if I'm in the right passage myself. Actually, let's just start up in verse 1. Why shall we say then, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? The Roman Christians had this idea that if they wanted to receive more grace from God, they, had to, they could sin more. Okay, so how do you receive? You, grace is received because you're, you're turning away from things that you shouldn't be doing. It's, it's forgiveness. And they've got this misconception. And he says, by no means, uh, we are those who have died, we are those who have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that those of us, that those of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? Now, I want you to understand, he's writing to a group of believers that have done this. Because in Romans chapter 1, how does he, how does he address how does he address these people? In verse chapter 1, verse 7, he says, To all who are in Rome, 
are loved by God and called to be His holy people. Okay, They're called to be His holy people. They are already His children. They've already done this. And He's reminding them. He says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into His death. We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. He's letting them know, look, it's not about sinning and just receiving this grace. He said this baptism, this moment of of your salvation is about a change in your life. It is a newness. It is something that when you come up out of those waters, you are different than when you went in. Okay, we're going to tie that together here in just a few moments. Let's now let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. This is this is one of my favorite passages on baptism. And I and I'm I'm going to tell you why. Because this passage is very much a bridge in, I believe, the division of the teaching of salvation within our religious community. Because here we have, if you will, for a moment, let's say this, this spot represents what many of us believe, that baptism is what saves you. Okay? And over here on this side of the stage, represents a group of people that says, yes, we believe baptism is important, but we don't believe it saves you. Okay, We believe that you you believe in Jesus and you can turn your life over to Him and He will save you. And then if you want to be baptized, you can. It just shows that you, it just shows that commitment that you have to them. It's it's a pledge to Him, if you will, that, that you truly believe that you are saved. Now, this middle ground right here is where the problems tend to exist because these people over here, they truly believe what they believe. And these people over here truly believe what they believe, not in a bad way, not in an ugly way. It's just, it's just what they believe. And then when they come together and try to discuss those things many times, they don't want to, number one, they don't want to hear what the other side has to say. And number two, they really don't want to just look and see what the Bible has to say because if you're not careful, you just go, oh, well, Acts 2.38 says you have to believe and be baptized or repent be baptized to be saved. No question about it. This whole just believe in God thing has nothing to do with it. And this group over here goes, no, 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 no. The Bible says, hey, if, I, if you confess my name before God, before men, I'll confess your name before God. Therefore, I'll be saved. Okay, And they don't want to hear each other And they really don't want to look and see what the Bible has to say about it because if you really cared about what the Bible had to say on this subject in this particular situation, this 1 Peter passage bridges these two thoughts into one cohesive thought. And I'm going to show you how. So he's he's telling this story, or he's he begins this section talking about how Noah and 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 his family was saved in verse twenty to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through baptism. And I hope you have your Bibles open because I want you to see this. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. And some of you may be thinking. There it is, Matthew. Baptism saves you, right? Let's keep going. 
Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, powers, and submission to him. Now, this is, there's two things here that this passage says. This passage says that baptism saves you, but it only saves you if you truly pledge your life to God. Do you follow that? What he does is he's taking this, this you know, some people have this baptism-only stance. Baptism, baptism, baptism. And this group over here is confession and pledging, confession and pledging. And, and Paul comes in and he, and, he, and he bridges the two together and says, look, y'all need to come together because you've got part of it right. You've got part of it right. You've got to put it all together. It's all part of the puzzle. Yes, our baptism saves us. Okay, that moment, okay, that moment of going in the water and coming out, that is the moment in which, in which you come into contact with the blood of Jesus. Okay, but that only happens, that only works if you actually in your heart and in your conscience pledge to God your life. One does not work without the other. And then I love how he, how he kind of puts this bow on the, on the top of it. He said, again, it's not about what you do. It's not about your opinion and, or about your opinion. He says, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The only reason it works is because of who? Because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. I was, I was real scattered this morning when I came in. I think we got in the car and got out of the car and went back in the house at least two times this morning. And then I get here, and I thought my sermon was sitting on my desk, and it wasn't. Um, and then I had, because I have a habit of taking my ties off and leaving them in my office, I had to find a tie this morning. And... Um, I, was, I was real scattered when I got here this morning. But I very much appreciate the reading that Larry did during communion uh, of recentering and focusing us on just the power of the death of Jesus and the impact that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus had in that moment. I mean, it shook the foundations of the earth, people who, this is, if I could go back in any point in time, this may be the point that I go back to. I would love to see the look on people's faces when people who had been dead were resurrected in that moment and walked around Jerusalem. I would love to have seen that. It would have scared people to death, but you also know they would have been rejoicing in that moment as well to see people that were dead that they loved once again, okay? There is such a powerful, that is such a powerful moment in time that I believe, like I said, that after you've heard it over and over and over, the death, burial, and resurrection, the death, it's easy for it to become just another thing you hear at church. But the power that saves you is not of your own. It's not just about the water. It's not just about the pledge of a good conscience. It's about what Jesus did. 
And your baptism is that moment where you go, I believe that Jesus is the Savior. I believe in the power of the cross. I believe that God loves me. I believe in the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I believe that forgiveness can be mine. And I want to pledge to you, God, that I will follow you and do whatever you ask of me. That is what your baptism is about. In that moment, you're not just getting wet. You're not just getting saved. But you're pledging your life to Jesus. Saying it's not about me anymore. It's all about you. This is the point that I would normally in a class go, uh, are there any questions? But I'll say this. We're going to... There, there's, there's other things, but we're, I'm going to find a way to get to them later because I want, I want to stop with this because I believe this verse is that important. I, I want us to, to read it again, and then I want us to pray about it. He says, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. It's not just about getting wet, okay? He says, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of the clear conscience towards God, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are in your understanding of baptism. I don't know where you've come from. I don't know what you've been taught. I don't know what you understand and what you don't understand, what you believe and what you don't believe. But those couple, those couple of verses sum up the power of baptism better than anything I could ever say. And they should because they're inspired by the Spirit of God. And so I ask you this morning, have you made that commitment? Have you been baptized in the water that offers you forgiveness because you want to pledge your life to God and let Him know you're living your life with a clear conscience from here on out and you're following Him because you believe in the power of the resurrection? It's that simple. It's that simple. There, there, there's not a whole lot more to understand than that right there. Jesus loves you. He died for you. Those waters are the place that you come into contact with his blood so that you can be saved. And in that moment, you pledge your life to him. And if you've not made that commitment, then I, I urge you to make it today or make it soon. Because it's something that you need it. You wouldn't be here this morning in this room if there wasn't a part of you that loved Jesus enough to make that commitment because you've made the commitment to be here. Okay, It's already part of you. You're here. There's something in you that loves Jesus. Why not take it to the next level and really show him how much you love him? Let's, let's close in prayer and then we'll have our invitation song. God, I thank you for all of these words today. And I know that, that, that maybe as we began this lesson, God, that maybe my words got in the way. And, 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 I, and if that's the case, God, I'm sorry for that this morning because the power is in, it's in your words. The power is in your thoughts. The power is in your inspiration. And your inspiration tells us, God, that, that, that you want us to be your children. You want us to be saved. You want us to be right. And your Holy Spirit has, has inspired these writers to, 
to lay out very plainly and very simply a way for that to happen. And God, I just pray this morning that that this message has fallen on hearts that, that love you and that are concerned for you, God. I pray for our church family that we can be a church that is truly concerned about making disciples, which means we've got to be people who share our faith and not be afraid of being rejected in that way, God. I just pray that you, you strengthen us with your spirit to be that type of church, that we don't allow this to be lacking in our teachings, not just in this room, but in every room we sit every day. God, I pray for those who have not made that commitment to you who have not pledged their life to you through the waters of baptism that saves them. God, I thank you for the inspiration of Peter, who, who it's almost like you knew, I know you did, you knew that this would be a topic that was not always unifying. And that you answered our questions 2,000 years ago in these writings before they were ever even asked. And we thank you for the wisdom that we see in that God. And so I pray today, God, that you convict those who need to be convicted to be saved. I pray that you convict our hearts, God, if, if our heart has lost the fire for this teaching, that our salvation is just something that we're used to and comfortable with, God. Help us to realize that it is just as, imp as important and powerful 20, 30, 50 years after the day we were baptized than it was in that moment, that it still impacts our life in that way. Help us to remember that, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. There is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, We'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 930 and Wednesday evenings at 630. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ, caring 